0: Merry Christmas. I hope you're having fun today. You know what I love about this whole skit, and thank you for the whole team, especially Miss Linda for taking and just doing an amazing job reminding us that Jesus was a real man, and he really came as a child, and he came 2,000 years ago to a real family, a young husband, a young wife who had to try to figure out, how do you raise the Son of God? You see, there's a lot of things that we forget, and what I love about this presentation is that it reminds us not to get caught up in the nostalgia of Christmas while forgetting the true meaning of Christmas. You see, it's easy to get caught up in the nostalgia of Christmas and forget that 2,000 years ago, this family really had to figure out how to raise this child. And this child had a unique purpose, and there had to be all kinds of unique challenges and complications to raising the Son of God. And yet, 2,000 years ago, when they're in a manger, they're holding their child, and they're looking into the face of their baby, and at the same time, they're looking into the face of God. What must that have been like? It's easy for us to forget that that was a real thing that happened. It's easy to get caught up in the nostalgia of Christmas, worrying about the food and the turkey and the dressing and the pie to forget that 2000 years ago, Jesus really came to a cross and he really bled for our sins and he really died for our death. It's easy to get caught up in the nostalgia of opening presents and going through the Christmas parties that we forget that there was an empty tomb. And that empty tomb represented victory for us over sin and over death in our own life and ultimately over hell that all of us were going to experience without Christ. So as we were watching that drama a moment ago, I I just think it's a perfect way to capture what Mary and Joseph really went through, and that they were real people just like you and me, and they faced the same things just like we do, and Jesus was a real man who was also God at the same time, and he really died. And and all of those truths have real implications for our life, and the biggest implication is this, is that Jesus' victory brings us victory, and because we have victory, we can have peace. We're in our last sermon in the series entitled From the Cradle to the Grave. And in this series, we have been reminding ourselves that everything in Christmas, everything that we celebrate in the December month, is ultimately pointing to one event in history. And that event is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ came in a manger, but he came to give his life on a cross. Jesus inhabited a manger, but someday he was going to empty a tomb. And our primary reason for being here today is to celebrate that fact. I want to show you the resurrection scene out of John chapter number 20, because if it wasn't for the resurrection scene, then there's no reason to celebrate Christmas today. We're going to be in John chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse number one. And I want to show you how this moment is what brought peace to all of humanity. And here's what the scripture says. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. And while it was still dark, and she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter got up and with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them are running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping down to look in, he saw that the linen clothes were laying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen clothes laying there and the face cloth, which had been over Jesus's head, not laying with the linen cloths, but folded up by itself and placed by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must raise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home, but Mary stood weeping Outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had been laying, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? whom are you seeking? Supposing that he was to be a gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he has said these things to her. Now this is the moment of victory over death, hell and the grave. This is the moment when Jesus presents himself as a risen savior and a victorious king. If we want to have hope during this Christmas season, then this is where we start to look first. We look to the empty tomb. If we want to have joy in this Christmas season, this is the first place we look. If we want to have peace, then it ultimately comes from an empty tomb. Because in an empty tomb, there was an abundance of joy. There was abundance of hope. And there was an abundance of peace. Jesus' body might not have been there, but he left something else for us in that empty tomb. And that is our victory. Victory always means peace. Victory always means joy. Victory always means hope. You know, as a father, Christmas is always one of my favorite times because it's a time of pure excitement in the household. All of you who have children and you perhaps even remember back to your childhood, the morning of Christmas is a special time because you get up and you run and you start grabbing presents and you take the presents and the little kids grab the presents and they start divvying them out to the different siblings and they're holding on to them and they're just waiting for mom and dad to wake up. And most of the time their patience lasts for about half a second. They run into the bedroom, they start jumping on the bed and they say, it's time to open up and so you get up, you put on your house coat, and you put on, you know, your pants and your flippers or your, not flippers, <laughs> slippers. If you're wearing flippers in your house, that's a good Sunday morning, right? You're like walking out there like, let's go open presents, you know? You know, you're like, oh, I'm going to the couch, you know, and go backwards. You got your slippers on, you go out there and then chaos happens, right? Everybody starts opening presents and there's all kinds of stuff. And, there's boxes everywhere and they dig into the box and this one contained Christmas ornaments and you start throwing stuff and it turns out to be a mess everywhere. And the kids do that for a while. and There's just stuff absolutely everywhere. And then they have all their stuff. They start gathering up and they start playing with it. Or if they're real little, they play with the box. They don't play with the thing that you bought them, right? They play with all the stuff and you look around and you have this big old mess and you have the empty boxes and the stuff laying around everywhere. And as a parent, You're not frustrated about that. If this had been December 23rd and they had made that mess, you'd be mad. You'd be angry. But on December 25th, you're not. Why? Because that empty box, that wrapping paper that's strung about represents joy in your kids' life. And just as that empty box represents joy in their life, so too, the empty tomb means peace for you and for me. We have peace. Not just peace in our own heart. But we have peace in our heart because we have peace between us and God. We have peace between us and our past. We have peace about the future that God has for us. Victory always means peace. The resurrection of Jesus is without a doubt the most radical event that changed the course of human history more than anything else. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament that if Christ had not been raised from the dead, then we are worse off than unbelievers because our faith is useless but we can have faith this morning because the tomb is empty it's really interesting you compare the beginning of jesus's life to the end of his life like we've done the last few weeks there's these amazing parallels in luke chapter 2 verse 8 the the story of Jesus' birth here's what it says and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night and an angel of the lord appeared to them and the glory of the lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them fear not For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, not just people then, but people today for you and for me. Joy for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was An angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those whom He is pleased. You see, on the night that Jesus was born, as we kind of looked at on this video and the drama we think about in real life, who knows if it was, who knows what that night was like. But what we do know is that in this in this manger, there was a child that was being born. His cry came out for the first time. Mary and Joseph with joy are holding him. And who does God tell about this wonderful event? He tells the shepherds. Perhaps it's because Jesus was a shepherd for you and for me. And the message to the shepherds was simple: the king has come, and peace is available for all men. Now, the problem, though, is, is that as we have looked through the book of John over the last several months. Is that not everybody welcomed this peace? The world did not recognize the newborn king. And many people failed to see that Jesus was the one that could bring them peace. And this is still true for this Christmas, even today. We have a king who brings peace. And yet, most people are struggling to have peace in their life. It's amazing, even this week as I was preparing for this message, the Surgeon General came out with a report. That said in 2009, one in five young people struggled with a mental health crisis. Today, just 12 years later, 13 years later, 40% increase where one out of three young people struggle with mental health. Think about that. Why, what's going on? It's not just our young people. We can look around. We can see stress and anxiety. We see fear gripping so many hearts. There is a, a lack of peace in the heart. Now, we can start going as to why the economy, the pandemic, the the civil unrest, just trying to make it through the eight to five, raising kids, all these things steal peace from us. However, as the grave was robbing our peace, Jesus was robbing the grave. And that is the promise of Christmas, is that we can have peace through the birth and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, looking back at John 20, what we just read a moment ago, We see that when Jesus showed up, he told Mary that that she didn't need to fear anymore, that that peace was here. John 20 says the first day of the week that Mary went to the tomb. But it wasn't just the first day of Mary's week. It was the first day for a whole new creation. The The scene unfolds, and it's rather interesting as you read about it. The only one who goes to the tomb in the morning are the women, the disciples, have been following Jesus. They're hiding out. They're afraid for their lives. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, but she finds something unexpected. The tomb is empty. The stone has been rolled away and the grave clothes are laying there folded up. Now that's an interesting question. Why did Jesus fold the grave clothes? They're just laying there folded up. A lot of women right now are thinking, man, I wish Jesus teach my husband how to fold his clothes. (laughs) See, we men have a secret about that. We fold the clothes wrong the first time so that it bothers our wives, and then we're not asked to do it anymore. Okay, that's a true story. Mimi's like, oh, Jake gave me an amen. He's like getting delivered back there. Jesus folded his clothes. Why is that? Because they were of no longer any value to him. He did not need them any longer. And so Mary sees these things, and she runs back, and she gets Peter and John, and they run to the tomb. And, they see the empty tomb and they believe. Now the Bible is clear. They didn't understand all the details. They didn't know what was going on, but they knew that Jesus was no longer there. They don't know what to do. So they go back home, but Mary stays at the tomb and we see that Jesus appears behind her and she's unaware that he's even standing there. We don't know exactly how this works out, but how I envision it is that she's there. She's on her knees and she's weeping and she's looking at the tomb and she can see his feet. Somebody's standing behind her. And she says, Where have you laid his body? She assumes he's the gardener. And when Jesus said her name, it changed everything. You see, she was looking at the tomb. And when Jesus called her name, she turned and looked at him. And symbolically, that's what every single one of us need to do. See, she was there weeping because she was staring at death. The tomb represented death. She had no peace. She was weeping. She was broken. But when Jesus called her name... She stopped looking at death and she started looking at life. And in that moment, peace ran into her heart. Symbolically, that's what we need to do today. If we're ever going to have peace in our life, then we have to stop looking at the things that bring us death and we have to start looking at the things that are going to bring us life. And that is Christ himself. So Jesus tells her, you need to not cling to me. I got stuff to do, but you need to go tell my brothers to go meet me. Because I'm going to ascend to my father and to their father. Now, that's pretty benevolent of Jesus because those guys just felled him a few days before. They denied him, but I think that gives us hope. Jesus is benevolent towards us when we fell him. So here's what happened. John 20, starting in verse number 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be to you. When he had said this, he showed them in his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be to you. And the father has sent me, even I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it will be withheld. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hands that marked with nails and place my finger and the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be to you. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, put your out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Wow. We see the very first time Jesus interacts with the disciples. And we see when he meets with uh, Thomas. And what is his greeting that he gives to the people? Peace. Peace was announced at his birth. Peace is announced at his resurrection. Peace is what Jesus wants to bring you, and he wants to bring me. They might have been expecting a rebuke for failing him, but instead he brings peace. They might have been expecting him to come with a rebuke because they had lived a life of sin, but instead he offered peace. That's who Jesus is. And maybe you're here today and yours is a lack of peace in your own life. And you expect Jesus to bring a rebuke, you expect Jesus to bring punishment, but what Jesus brought and what Christmas shows is that Jesus brings peace. Why? Because peace is the thing that you need. As I said a moment ago, unfortunately, too many of us in this season, we are lacking in peace. We're struggling having peace. And we could go through all the reasons as to why. But you need to know today, because the grave is empty, that you can have peace. Jesus paid for the death that you and I owed. And now there's hope because the tomb is empty. So the question is this, how do you get this peace? This passage shows us the path of peace in our own life. And very quickly, I want to show you three reasons why you can have peace and how you can have peace in life. The first is this, peace comes when you have a new identity and a resurrected Savior. You are only going to have peace when you place your identity in a resurrected Savior. If you're going to have true peace in life, then there has to be a shift and a focus to a new birth in your life. Allow me to explain. What are the thought processes that rob you of peace in your life? Think about it for a moment. What are the things that you think about that rob you of peace? I'm a bad father. I'm a terrible mother. I'm not good at my job. I... I'm not good at managing money. I have no friends or no support system. What are the things that rob you of peace? What are the thought processes that you allow to go through your mind that steal your peace over and over again? The things that rob us of peace are most often rooted in identity failure. And the ugly truth is that some of the self-loathing criticisms are true. And that makes it even worse. So I'm not going to give you platitudes today. Maybe some of you sit here and you say, I was a terrible father. And you start looking at some of the things you did. And the fact of the matter is you did fail time and time again. Maybe some of you are like, I failed at my job time and time again. I didn't live up to the expectation I wanted. And the truth is maybe some of that did happen. However, here's what the gospel tells us. When we put our faith in Jesus, there is a death to the old man, there's a death to the old woman, and there's a spiritual resurrection in our life, and we get a new start. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. Today's a new day, and you can have a hope and a future for a new tomorrow. Spiritually, when Jesus walked out of that grave, every single one of us did as well. The terrible habits were put to death. The horrible father was put to death. The absent mother was put to death and spiritually were given a new start. When Jesus encountered Mary, he told her not to hold on to him and to go tell his brothers that he was returning to his father and their father. Here's an interesting little piece of trivia for you. 180 times in the gospel of John, Jesus refers to God as father. 27 of those times he says, my father, 71 times of those, he says, the father, but only one time, one time does he say to the disciples, your father, and that's here after the resurrection. Why is that? Because the facts are before the resurrection, the crucifixion, we were the enemies of God. However, in the New Testament, the covenantal name of God is Father. Why? Because Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave, we can have a new identity. We get adopted into the family of God, and we have a spiritual rebirth in our life. The old man is gone, and the new man has come. We are new creations. What we did in the past is in the grave. What we did in the past was laid to rest with Christ. And now through faith in Jesus, we are raised to a new life, and that should bring us peace. When you know that God is your father, and when you know that you have a new tomorrow, there is nothing that can bring peace quicker to your life than knowing that Jesus is with you and he's able to bring you a new identity. The second thing I want to show you is this, is that peace comes when we believe and when we receive. The narrative of the resurrection continues with Jesus showing up to the disciples, and he always greets them, peace be with you. Then the passage says that Jesus started to show the disciples the scars in his hands and the wound in his side. Thomas, who was not there the first time, was informed by the disciples that Jesus was alive, and Thomas responded, "You know what? I'm going to need to see this for myself, because until I see it for myself, I am not going to believe. I saw the man die. And you guys might be crazy. You might be hallucinating. till I see it myself, I'm not going to believe it." Now Thomas gets a bad rap for this statement. He is called doubting Thomas. He has said that he was not believing, but I think that's unfair. None of the others believed either until they saw Jesus showed up and Thomas was just saying what everybody else was thinking. Until I see it for myself, I'm not going to believe. Now, here's the point for us. None of us are going to have peace until we gaze upon the Son, investigate His life, and put our faith in Him. If we're trying to get peace under our own ability, with our own rationale, through our own efforts, it is a fool's errand. We will never be able to get peace ourselves. We will only have peace when we gaze upon who God is. How do we gaze upon God? We gaze upon God when we look into his word. We gaze upon God when we investigate him in worship and we start to ask others about what God has done in their life. Christianity is not a passive faith. It's an active faith. And as such, we have to continually search through the scriptures, pursuing Jesus in worship, receiving his spirit, empowering and connecting to the body of the church. The passage tells us that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Faith is a commitment to receive and to embrace all that Christ has for you, to receive and to hold on to the presence of God. It's to investigate his life and say, Jesus, I'm learning from you and I'm applying it to my life. You see, what steals peace from most of us is when we lived our own way and we got ourselves in trouble. What steals peace from most of us when we apply our own rationale and our own understanding to our circumstances and we fail time and time again. But when we believe in Jesus, and we receive from him, that's when we have peace. The third and final thing I want to show you is this, if the worship team will return. Peace comes when we live on mission. What's interesting to me is that Jesus instantly launches the disciples into the mission of the church. Now, these disciples had failed over and over and over again. Time and time again, they had failed. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he launches them on mission. In fact, here's what it says. I want to read it to you again, verse 22 and 23. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it will be withheld. What Jesus is trying to instruct them in the moment is, I gave you a work to do, and now it's time for you to live out the f- calling that I have to fulfill the purpose that I have for your life. He's saying in this moment, I want you to live an active faith. I want you to walk out instruction. And here's what I believe this is teaching us one of the greatest robbers of peace in our life is a self centered lifestyle. If you want to lose peace faster than any other way, live for yourself, be self centered. See, Christmas is teaching us ultimately the pathway to eternal life is giving of everything. Jesus gave of everything to come to earth and died for us. And now he's calling us to deny self, to focus on him, to carry our cross daily. Christ has a calling for you, and he has a calling for me. He has a purpose for you, and he has a purpose for me. And until we start pursuing that purpose, we're never going to have peace in our life. We will never have the peace that we desire. And we'll always be consumed by our own desires. Why? Because when we turn inwardly, we tend to focus on the things that we don't have. However, when we start to look towards others and to look towards Christ, we start seeing everything that God has placed in our life. And we see that in his hands. It's for his glory. This Christmas, my prayer for you is that peace will reign in your heart and in your life. There's one really interesting thing about this passage that we haven't looked at yet when the ladies got to the tomb in the morning, the stone had been rolled away. In fact, some of the other accounts say that they're actually fretting about this on the way to the tomb. They're like, there's this big stone. How are we going to move it away? When they get there, the stone had already been moved It's a big, heavy rock. They weren't going to be able to do it on their own power. They weren't going to do it on their own ability. Scripture tells us the angels moved it away so that the believers could peer inside. And I think that's interesting because Jesus calls himself the rock over and over and over again in Scripture. He said that he's the cornerstone. He's the thing that we square our life up to. He's the capstone. He's the thing that brings adornment and beauty to our life. He said that his word is like the rock that we build our life on. It's a sure foundation. I read this anecdotal story this week that I went something like this. It was a little boy on a ship caught in a storm off the coast and The ship was getting swamped by the waves and it ultimately succumbed and started to sink. But the boy was able to swim up onto this rock that was just off the coast. In the morning, the search and rescue party came and they found him on this rock and he's cold and wet and shivering. They asked the little boy, were you trembling all night? And the little boy responded, yes, I was trembling. But the rock never trembled once. And here's the deal. Jesus is the rock. He was the rock as the baby in the the manger. He was the rock when he was on the cross dying for us. He was our rock when he was laid in that tomb, and now he's our rock that we can stand on in this Christmas season. And because he's our rock, we can have peace in every single circumstance that we have in life.